0: Is God found only in buildings? I think we all know the answer is no. Yet our church buildings are important parts of our life of faith. We gather in them, we worship in them, we play in them, we serve others in them, and we go out from them into the world. We are grateful for buildings as a place where our faith is nurtured. Our worship was led this week by our property committee. So as the caretakers of the property, we had their unique take on worship. Our sermon is by the Reverend Bill Thornton, a longtime friend of the church and one of the pastors of F Street Neighborhood Church. First, a reading from John chapter 2 verses 13 through 22 by Lynn Bongi.
1: I'm Lynn Bongi, I'm an elder of First Presbyterian Church and a member of the Property Committee. And one of the keen interests we have as a committee is to preserve the space of this nearly 100-year-old sanctuary. I'm gonna read from you today, from John chapter two, verses 13 through 22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and the money makers and and, uh, were seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body, and after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remember what he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word of Jesus had spoken. The word of the Lord is still speaking thanks be to God
2: hi I'm Bill Thornton and uh, as Pastor Sue has already mentioned I'm uh, one of the pastors at the F Street neighborhood church just a few blocks away more importantly I would say for our purposes here uh, I'm on the board of Jacob's well which is a community partner of First Presbyterian Church and has been for a number of years, and we're grateful for that partnership. Um, Marcia and I live just a few blocks away, so we are neighbors of First Press, and most importantly, we are friends. And we are grateful for that relationship that we have come to greatly appreciate over the years. This morning, I wanna begin by acknowledging that it was many, many years ago as a small child that I remember learning a finger, I think they call it a finger play in Sunday school. Perhaps some of you will remember this as well. It went something like this. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. From my earliest recollection, I remember my parents taking my younger brother, Tony, and me to church. It was a place that we went to. Every Sunday we dressed up in our very best clothes. I loved Sunday school as a child. We heard these incredibly amazing full of adventure Bible stories. And then during the worship service that followed Sunday school, our family of four, my mom, my dad, my brother, and me, occupied the same pew every week. It was that pew right there, second one on the left. On significant occasions in the life of our congregation. We had this special room called the Fellowship Hall. I have to tell you, it was one of my favorite rooms in the church because there would be served these incredible meals, which we had all types of delicious foods that were enjoyed to our heart's content. My home congregation, First Christian Church in Garnett, Kansas like First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, blessed with a beautiful facility in which to conduct its life and ministry. And I learned at a very early age, because our family was very active in the church, that like every family, every organization, I suppose, that if you're going to conduct the activity and program that you have there, if you're going to have the events that are a part of a church's life, then there are chores to be done, to be sure. And I can remember not always being thrilled about it, but cooperating nonetheless, because my dad could be very persuasive. In the wintertime, we would, when it snowed, get up early before school and scoop the snow off the sidewalks around the church building. I guess they contracted somebody with a little more equipment to do the parking lot itself. And then in the summertime, our family would take our turn when it came to mowing and trimming the church grounds. And along the way, I learned two very important lessons in life about faith. The first one is, the role of service in my own personal faith development. In fact, I do not think that I would have ever considered becoming a pastor had it not been for those opportunities when I was a young person during my formative years to find my place of service to do my part as a Christian in the life of our church family. The role of service has been absolutely critical as I look back over my own faith development through the years. That's the first lesson. The second lesson, I'm guessing that many of you have learned this lesson as well, is the value of volunteers in ministry. It's been said that the local church is the most volunteer-intensive organization in existence today and I believe that's probably true local churches like my home church like First Presbyterian Church the F Street neighborhood church where I'm privileged to serve I'm telling you I'm guessing you would probably believe this that we churches simply could not have the kind of impact the kind of influence that we do, if it were not for those wonderful souls who donate what I think is probably the most precious resource of all, our valuable time, to see that these things get done. Eventually, I'm guessing it was probably when I was a teenager, during adolescence, though, there came a realization for me that it greatly expanded my understanding of what we mean when we talk about church. When I was a child, when I thought of the church, I thought of the building at 2nd and Walnut Streets in my hometown of Garnett, Kansas. And there stood this beautiful edifice that housed all our church's life. It's worship, it's education, the fellowship activities, and much of the service that we were involved in. Same thing is true here as well. There is this beautiful building that is located here, but those of us who know anything about First Presbyterian Church knows that there is so much more than just the building here, that there is something even greater in beauty, greater in value that God is creating in this place that really isn't about place at all because it is actually about people. People who are the intended objects of God's attention, of God's affection. For me, this explains in large part what might seem to be rather outrageous behavior, to say the least, on the part of Jesus in the temple as recorded in the Scripture lesson that Lynn read for us a few moments ago from John's Gospel. There we read of tables being overturned. When I told my family what Bible story I had selected for this occasion, of course, a couple of them who are kind of wise guys Suggested if you want them to remember what you had to say to when you preach, Dad, you should perhaps maybe turn a table over to one or two as well. And um, <clears throat> I had to remind them that I was a guest at First Press, and that if I ever hope to be welcomed back again, I might want to rethink their advice, which I have. But in that text, we read of tables being overturned livestock being driven out of the premises, I mean, we can imagine what an unforgettable occasion that must have been in the minds of the disciples and everybody else who was there that day. In fact, it's interesting that in the minds of the disciples, there popped this line from King David in Psalm 69, where it records David saying, David writing, it is zeal for your house that has consumed me. If you know anything about David, you know that David was a person who loved the Lord. In the book of Acts, it is said of David that he was one after God's own heart. In the Old Testament, we can read of how he wanted desperately to build a permanent structure, a temple for the worship of God that would replace the the tabernacle that was a structure that could be easily put up and taken down and moved with the people as they moved about. But God had other plans for David. David was told that it would be his son, Solomon, who would build the temple. So what did David do when he received that news from God? He set out to make all the preparations he could for the construction so that when Solomon did in fact become the king of Israel, he would already have a head start on beginning this very important construction project. And then David's descendant. Jesus of Nazareth, whom we've read about today. Of him, the Bible describes a person who is also passionate about God's house. We see this zeal in his dramatic action that removed the commerce that had found its place in what was known as the court of the Gentiles. Now, as we observe this, we might ask ourselves, was this temple cleansing really necessary, some have thought that it was the commerce itself that Jesus found objectionable. And certainly, the volume of noise that would have been produced by such a crowd of people and animals all together in one place, I could imagine that to be distracting to say the least. Others have suggested that these religious leaders were unfairly and perhaps handsomely profiting from the money changing that was taking place. And it was this injustice that moved Jesus to take action. Ironically, this commercial activity done in the name of religion In other words, people seeking to connect with God had to some degree made it impossible for one group of people who were already probably feeling like they were on the outside looking in those believing Gentiles who had come to worship Israel's God. No room for them because of all the other activity that was there. Well, whatever the reason may have been, we see the zeal of Jesus for God's house on full display. Like his ancestor David, who had displayed his passion for God by dancing fervently before the people, a public display of his affection for the Lord. Here in another public display, only this one of correction that no one would ever forget Jesus cleansed the temple of that activity which at the very least was competing with and distracting from the experience of God's grace and glory that ought to characterize all true worship that raises as we wrap this up a question for me maybe for you how about us How do we today display zeal for God's house? I'm not suggesting, despite the ideas of my kids, that we start flipping tables over in worship services. But I do hope that the same passion for the Lord that consumed David, that consumed Jesus, will consume us too. In fact, let me just tell you, this is not only true today, but it's been true for some time as I've become friends and neighbors with First Presbyterian Church, that I can honestly say on a regular basis, I pray for this congregation. I wish this congregation well in its mission, that in this beautiful place where we worship each week, that it can truthfully be said that faith is nurtured. Curiosity is encouraged. Diversity is welcomed. And all are loved here. Even more so, may this church family always strive to be a people in whom and through whom our loving God is always at work. Let it be so. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. You can access all of our previous episodes on Anchor or your favorite source for podcasts. Find out more about us at fpclincoln.org or join us on Facebook.